Okay. We're yeah, another week is coming on. The fifth week of the NFL season has come to an end. It's a look back. Before we start, I I, I have a couple shout outs. You know, my, my brother my brother Leonard got you know, had a baby last week. You know, and he obviously wants to be shout out here. So here, here's my platform to sh- give him a shout out. Also, shout out to my buddy Kwame, who also listens to our program on a uh, on the regular. And like I said, I mean, like I say it could be critics in the future, but I give them these episodes and they'll enjoy it. But that's my shout outs for the week. You know, hopefully we can start doing that in the future. But like I said, on to the business. Like I said, the Eagles, unfortunately, another game that they didn't win on Sunday. And we kind of knew going into the game it was going to be a struggle for them. It is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have been playing well. And obviously, but shockingly, they did play better than we expected. Especially me. I didn't think they were going to be that good. And I didn't even think they had a chance to even have a chance to win at the end. They actually had a chance to win the game at the end, but... For 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 a, for a loss that is sadly a loss, it was probably the most encouraging loss of the season because we have a new weapon named Travis Folkum. He had one of his he he had one of the best games the Eagles had a wide receiver in a few years. So, like I said, there is even though yeah it's a it's a struggle still and it's going to be. I feel like after watching the game on Sunday, there is hope for the Eagles. Especially come second half of the season, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, the Eagles aren't going anywhere this year. Let's be honest; they're they're not a good team, but they're also in the 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 worst division possibly in the history of the NFL. So, you know, there's a really good chance they're going to end up winning the division. But at the same time, like you said, there's there is some um, light on this team. There's some, there's, there's some hope. There, there's at least some young players all of a sudden that we have that we can look at and say, oh, well, I want to see more of this kid, you know, which is something over the last few weeks we haven't seen. Particularly, like you said, Travis Fulgham, he looked, he, he had a, you know, two weeks ago he had that big touchdown reception. That was the only play of the game. But then last week, against the Steelers, against an elite defense, he went off. 10 receptions, 150-yard touchdown. Um, will he be able to keep it up? We'll see, you know. I, it, but it's a guy that we can look at coming into this Sunday and say, well, I want to see more of this kid, especially against another elite defense in the in the Ravens. You know, if he has another big game or even a decent game, you know, if he has, let's say, six receptions for 75 yards and he looks good, and he looks like a legit NFL receiver against that defense, that would be a win. You know, he doesn't have to go for 150 yards. Obviously, this team, there are, there, it doesn't have a whole lot of young talent that we have to look at, but it does have some other players. Eventually, we're going to get Dallas Goddard back, and we really need him back because Zach Ertz is an absolute stiff at this point. I mean, this guy's totally tanked on his team. It's pretty. It's actually pretty pathetic. Um, but uh, yeah, that we got Dallas Goddard to look forward to, and the other another guy on offense that has looked very impressive that needs to be in the starting lineup for the rest of the year is Jordan Mailata. Um, 
the guy that we drafted, obviously we drafted him in the seventh round. Rugby player, never played a down of the NFL or of football in his life. Came in super raw, but he had insane athletic skills for a guy his size. And, yeah, it took him a couple of years, but these last two games, he's, he's held up really well against some pretty good pass rush. You know, the Niners, okay, they're, they're, they don't have Joey Bosa. Or, or yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, they don't have Bosa, but um, either way, their, their D-line isn't so bad. I mean, they, they played terrible last week, but, um, you know, Maylotta looked good. And then this last week against the Steelers, he, he played really well again. And this is a this is a 3-4 complex defense with top-notch pass rushers, and he completely held up. Not only that, but Lane Johnson went down, and Jack Driscoll held up too. So, you know, that the young players on the offensive line are looking pretty good, and I'd like to see some more of these guys. Uh, another shout-out to an offensive lineman that's young is uh, uh, Nate Herbig so far this year has played really well considering he was an undrafted rookie last year. So, you know, there's some players there. The pass rush for the Eagles, you know, it came, it came on early against the Steelers. The Steelers made some adjustments, and, you know, Roethlisberger got rid of the ball so quick that the, we couldn't get to the quarterback. But you look at some of the other young guys on defense, particularly the defensive line that have shown up so far this year. Josh Sweat has played well. Um, um, Derek Barnett's played well. So, um, yeah, there's just some stuff to be hopeful about. and one, one, But then there's some, a lot of real questionable things, too, that need to be addressed. Um, the, the number one thing that needs to be addressed is this, <laughs> the defensive coaching. I mean, I've, I've always been a, a guy that likes Schwartz. Uh, you know, I'm not one of these guys that likes to, um, to adapt, to say, to, you know, talk bad about the guy just because he's not Jim Johnson, just because he doesn't blitz. But, you know, some of these, some of, some of the things he's been doing lately has, have been real concerning, and I don't know, man. I mean, he's clearly had too much influence over the defensive roster, because we see these linebackers are absolutely dreadful, and I think that's more, more so Schwartz than anything. He just doesn't value linebackers. Um, and obviously, the play that's been talked about most all week on the radio has been that Chase uh, Claypool play. Um, that was awful. <laughs> Not much to say about it other than it was just a horrible, horrible um, job by the coaching staff of having um, Nate Gary lined up against Claypool and then not recognizing it before the snap. And on top of that, one other thing that hasn't really been talked about is two weeks ago against the Niners, we have a guy that we traded for last year at the trade deadline. We traded a fourth-round pick for him. He did nothing. He he barely got on the field. His name's uh, Gerard Avery, right? Yeah. Two weeks ago against the Niners, he was absolutely dominant. Like, he, he actually came out. He played like a champion. And then this last week, he was inactive, you know? Makes absolutely no sense. Like, if you got this young guy, you gave a, a fourth-round pick for, he dominated last week, and then all of a sudden you're just going to make him inactive. For what? You know? <laughs> it, it, I don't know, man. Something something needs to be done with Schwartz. I, I know everybody's calling for his head. 
Um, I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe uh, Peterson needs to step in and tell this guy, like, look, you better start playing certain players. Like, you know, get Nate Gary off the field altogether. We got we got we drafted two linebackers this year. Get so get one of them on the field. You know, they can't be any worse. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then one other thing that kind of one other thing, um, you know, it's not, it's nothing that. Um, it, like profound or anything, but we really didn't get to last week. We ran out of time when we were previewing the games, and um, I was start, we, we were starting to get into the Eagles game where we ran short on time. But I was getting ready to say that when I was when I was looking at this game, it was uh, to me the Eagles run defense is, is really good. I wasn't worried about the Steelers running game. And then when I look at the Steelers' passing game, even though the Eagles' linebackers are awful, I wasn't worried about them getting the ball to tight ends. Um, I look at their receivers. I, I, I expected Slay to be on Juju a lot, so I wasn't really worried about Juju. Deontay Johnson, James Washington, they're nice players. I wasn't real. I wasn't scared of them. But the one guy that was, I felt coming into the game last week that was a major matchup problem that I was really worried about was Chase Claypool, you know, and he had the and he had the monster game. Exactly, I thought that if, if, I thought the Steelers were going to, if they were smart, they were going to be able to get him on the right matchups. Particularly, I thought um, if you get him, if they were able to figure out a way to get him matched up on a guy like Cravon LeBlanc, that's small, and Claypool's like a six four, two hundred forty pound receiver that runs a four four five forty. I mean, it was a major matchup nightmare. And, you know, I'm just some guy on the street and I could see it coming. Obviously, the Eagles coaching staff couldn't. So. Yeah. Like I said, pretty much it was the Chase Claypool show. And, you know, like I said, it's it's hard. I mean, this is probably the most positive you've talked about the Eagles all season. And, 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 and 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 it does feel like, you know, and obviously we'll have more to discuss here in a moment, but to me, like I said, I mean, the game, I didn't feel, you know, normally I, I, I'm i very nervous about games, but I wasn't nervous about playing the Steelers because I felt like it was a good matchup. And obviously we played the Steelers tough anyway, but like I said, I mean, it was going to be hard to win out there, but, you know, when they went, you know, when, you know, after Wentz went down with the, the turnover and stuff, they, I still felt like they could come back in that game when it was down 14 to 31, 31 to 14. And then they somehow came back. I mean, two weeks ago, nobody ever heard of Travis Fulcom. Nobody. Nobody. You didn't know him either. And all of a sudden, he's just, you know, when, when Jalen Rager comes back, if the Eagles are smart and not used Deshaun and, and Jeffrey, who are probably on their last legs anyway, that they have two receivers that can, that can take over games and help them down the road. And to me, it just feels like, you know, watching Fulcom, he just looked like a guy that knew what the hell he was doing. And here, and I, and and this is what's wrong with with scouts. Here's a guy who wasn't even—I don't even think was drafted—and ended up in the Packers and the Lions' possession, and they didn't know what to do with him. And somehow he ends up. And oh, he was a six-round pick, but somehow. Late rounder. Yeah, the the Lions and the Packers had him, and they and they couldn't. Obviously, there was no preseason games, and and, and unfortunately, being a rookie in this 
coming into this year was obviously different than any other year because you didn't have a platform to prove yourself before before actual you know your coaches and unfortunately he ended up looking you know he ended up moving around but somehow they they realized that their losses was our gain and just watching him catch the balls and and making plays it was like wow i mean you, you can't say we don't have any wide receivers yeah we don't have a lot of them but the, the fact that this guy can make plays and make and be comfortable tells me that when when Rager comes back, that's a one-two punch that's going to make Wentz look really, really good. And it's going to make this offense go really, really well. I mean, also, Booby Miles having another big, you know, he had a big game. He had two rushing touchdowns. He had that that misassignment for the Steelers' defense, and he ran for, nine, for 74 yards a touchdown. Obviously, he wanted to show off it was his home you know, he grew up in the Pittsburgh area, so this was a home game for him. His family was there. Obviously, it meant it just meant like it, it just seemed like it was a it, it was a good offensive setup, you know. And what's you, even more encouraging about the Eagles this year, even though it's hard to look at because they've only got one win in the first five weeks, is that every game. Do you know that every game this season the Eagles have played, they've scored more points than the previous week. Every game this year. Every game they 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 get they score more and more points and that's and that's a good encouragement that's encouraging. Now, obviously, like I said, they're going to need points this weekend against against my other favorite team. And like I said, I mean, we'll preview that game obviously on Sunday. But just just knowing that watching that game, I felt I felt more positives and negatives afterwards. Knowing that this team still, I mean, there's still a lot of flaws here. Don't get me wrong. They're still their defense is still needs a lot of work. We don't have a linebacker, you know. Unfortunately, you know you're, you're behind a, after Jalen Mills. There's not a lot of work in safety, and you know outside Darius Slay, the cornerback position's a mystery. But obviously, we still have the front seven, and they're still mostly healthy. And there's and and hopefully, like I said, we'll get more more sacks. And like I said, I just feel like this this season is you know. It's good that we are in a, in a division this terrible because if we we're in the NFC West or the NFC North or any other division, yeah, the season's over by this point. It, it's just, it's just we're just picking up, the, we're just picking up the pieces and trying to figure things out. But I feel like if we could come out, I, I have a feeling we could we can win on Sunday. I do. I have a f- real good feeling about Sunday for some weird reason, even though. The Ravens are a much, it's going to be a much tougher game. It's going to be a much faster game because that's a fast team. They're the fastest team in football. So we'll see what happens there. But it's just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm excited again to know that we have a receiver like Chase, uh, like Travis Fulcom, you know? You know, he's like a gift. He's like a gift. And, you know, I'm very much excited for, for, you know, at least once the second half comes, I keep telling you, the second half is when the Eagles will take off. I believe they can take off and make and, and be a, a player again. But we'll see what happens. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, overall, the Eagles offense did play well. Um, like I said, Zach Ertz is a total dog at this point, man. He's, it's, it's, it's sad to see him at this, at this level. And it's not because he can't play. It, it, he's, he's acting like a little baby, and his head's not in the game. And 
I mean, we got to move on from the guy. You know, he's, he's killing this team. Luckily for him, Dallas Goddard's injured, or he might be riding the bench at this point. Um, but, yeah, Travis Fulgham, I'm not ready to jump on the bandwagon yet and proclaim this guy to be some superstar. But, you know, yesterday or Monday after the game, I went back and I, I did I did look at what I could find on tape from him, and I looked at uh, scouting reports. And, you know, what we've seen on the field is really – what we've, what you, what you would see in the scouting reports on him in terms of positives, you know, he's a guy that he's not extremely fast. He runs about a four five five, so you know he's in that like at best average long speed, maybe slightly below average. But he's an athletic guy. He um, he's a big, strong receiver. Um, there he's aggressive. He's got great body control. He can go up and get the ball. Hard working. Um, he ran, runs good routes. He didn't have a ton of experience playing football coming out of college, which is why he ended up going to school at Old Dominion to begin with. Um, but he's a guy that did have actual NFL talent as a, at, at, at worst as a possession-type X receiver, sort of like um, what we were hoping to get out of J.J. Arcega Whiteside. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so he does have potential, and – yeah, we've seen it here. We saw it these last two weeks. According to the players and the coaches, they've seen it in practice since he's come into this team. Um, he's a guy that's been supposed to be putting in a ton of work, working as hard as anybody else out there, if not harder. And um, and it, it's starting to show on the field. So it's a, he's a guy that I want to see more of. I'm hoping to see more of. I mean, I'm sure they – I'm just hoping that they don't – try to start putting in Alshon and Deshaun over him, you know. I mean, we got to see what we got. Like, I, I, I say it all the time. you got to play your young players, and you got to give them a chance. And, you know, we've had way too many players over the last couple of years that are young that really didn't get a legitimate chance to show what they got on the field. And then they go to another team and play well. And, you know, it, it's happening again this year. We got uh, we got a major hole at, at number two cornerback position, and we're looking at uh, Sidney Jones went to Jacksonville. He's having a really good year. He played great last week. Um, Rasul Douglas went to Carolina. He's playing at a, a really high level. He's, he's grading out as a high-quality starting cornerback down there. You know, we saw it last year with L.J. Fort leaving this team, going to the, the Ravens, playing really well. It's, it's started to be, become way too much of a trend that these players leave here and, and then play well. And, you know, they, 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 a lot of them just aren't even getting a chance to get on the field. Yeah, unfortunately, like I said, that's been a major, that's been a major issue, especially, you know, for the Eagles over the last 15 years, go back to the Reed era where they just let a lot of these youngsters that can't play go. And that's a coaching problem. That's a coaching yeah. problem. Because if because if you – because, I mean, Sidney Jones was the highest-rated corner coming out of, out of college. And then, unfortunately, on his pro day, he suffered, he suffered a terrible Achilles injury. And that's a hard injury to return from. And, obviously, that they'd say a torn ACL is a, is a one-year injury. They say Achilles is a two-year injury to return from. 
So obviously he's now back to playing who where he's at, but the Eagles gave up on him because he they looked at him as a project and nothing more when they drafted him. And and that's unfortunate. You know, Rasul Douglas, I think there's talent there. You know, he doesn't have to be a a, a number one, but you know, he could be a solid number two. But like I said, it's it's coaching, you know, and, and, and yeah, Schwartz should have should have some you know, some blame to it because you know, he wants a, a defense a certain way. Now, we can sit here and say, I've questioned Belichick coaches, and he comes from the Belichick coaching tree, Swartz. So he should know better. And he and, and he, he thinks he's smarter than, really, than he really is. Then that's unfortunate. Then that's very unfortunate because he's thinking the same way he was when he was the, when he was the head coach in Detroit. And that, and, and that didn't work out well, you know. He could be a decent talent guy. But he, it seems like he plays favoritism with a lot of players, and unfortunately, that doesn't. That's not going to win you a lot. That's not going to win you a lot. You know, that's not going to win in in the future. And like I said, yeah. I mean, like I said, the linebacker position is on him and Howie. It's on him and Howie. Howie needs to draft somebody that knows what he uh, that can play that position. To me, I'll I'll be honest with you. And I and, and and I'm on Instagram. I don't know about you, but I'm on Instagram, and I was watch. I was looking up Instagram, and I know that if if this season doesn't, if this season continues to get out of hand, and, and we don't win this division, because obviously you have to win this division if you're going to make the postseason. If we don't, and we don't make the postseason, and 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 heads have to roll, I have I have a guy that can take over as defensive coordinator, and and I think he can do it. Seth Joyner. I mean it. Yeah. Seth Joyner, he knows hey, he was on the best defense in the history of this league. He knows what the hell he knows the linebacker position because he played it and played it well. He knows what the hell he's talking about. And I really, really believe that if you get rid of what you would call it, I know, yeah, he needs some coaching and all that stuff. He's not in the league. He's just a you know a television guy at the moment. But he knows what the hell he wants in a defense, and it's obvious. And it's and it's real obvious that that to me, if if Jim Schwartz doesn't survive after this season, why not call call Seth? Why call? Why not call him up? He is an Eagle. He's a legend. He's in the Wall of Fame. Why not give him a chance? To me, to me, he he would make the prop, the right the right situation because he will keep everybody accountable. He will not let this defense fail. And that's the problem with, with Swartz. Because if you're not his boy, you'll let he'll let you say, you know, what the hell with you, you know? So to me, I I I'm just saying to myself that the Eagles have a I have a, a good idea to should be the next leader of this defense in the future. So to me, that's something to think about in the offseason. But moving along uh, real quick, a couple points to um, counter that. Um, you know, Seth Joyner, the, only, the thing that would worry me about just making him a defense coordinator right out of the gates is same thing, you know, we, we talked in, in the offseason about uh, Duke Staley not getting offensive coordinator position, and I, I, I kind of went into it with you a little bit where I, I, was, I was telling you how, um, you know, a positional, a great positional coach isn't necessarily a great coordinator because it's two separate things. The 
you know. Um, I think Seth Joyner would be a great linebacker coach. He knows what he's doing with linebackers. He's an influential guy. You know, he'll, he'll motivate these players. But, uh, you know, you gotta, when, he, when it comes to being an actual coordinator, you gotta, you got to show that you, you, you know the X's and O's, too. You know, it's, it's more of a cerebral thing than, a, uh, than a, a motivational thing. I mean, it's both, but you you got you to gotta have that mental aspect of the coaching coaching things down to science, you know, and that might take some time. You know, I could, I could, I would actually put him, frankly, I would put him without seeing him coaching or without like, you know, him having any actual coaching experience, I'd put him more in the Mike Singletary category, you know, the guy that can really get, he'll, he'll get players' faces, he'll motivate you, you know, he'll teach you the ins and outs of the position, but I don't know that quite that he could just come right in the league and be a coordinator right off the bat. But um, one other thing with Schwartz is, uh, you know, go back and listen to it right after that draft. You know, or you know it. You know, I've talked about it the whole time. You know, Sidney Jones was my guy. Um, I really liked Rasul Douglas coming out. I thought the combination of those two, you know, I thought Sidney Jones could be your number one. I thought uh, Rasul Douglas would be the type of guy that, you know, he could be a number two cornerback, maybe give him a little help over the top of the safety, but he was a he's a playmaker. He's a, he's, he's a guy that can really play well against big physical receivers. He's going to have problems with, with uh, smaller guys that are fast, but, you know, you give him the help with the safety, but he's a, he's a playmaker. And, um, yeah, like you said, Schwartz plays his favorites, and, he plays a lot of favorites with uh, over the last couple of years, and Avante Maddox is a guy that, for some reason, Schwartz loves him. Um, we came into this camp where there was supposedly like an open battle for the number two cornerback position, but everybody since since day one of training camp, every 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 reporter said the same thing that this supposed camp battle is a total farce. That none of that. Sidney Jones and none of his other cornerbacks had a shot. That it was Avante Maddox's job, and uh, and it's a joke because, like I said, week two, week one, week two, Avante Maddox is a was a it's horrible man. He was horrible last year. He's horrible this year. He can't play on the outside, and and we're stuck with a, a big hole at number two cornerback because yeah, Jim Schwartz won't play like he won't give certain players. A chance. Yeah, that's the thing. And the other thing is, when you talk about Belichick and Schwartz, one thing with Belichick, man, you know, he adapts his his offense and his defense to the players that he has. Schwartz just Schwartz runs his defense. You know, um, we, uh, he, you know, he, he he ran he adapted a little bit in terms of the last since he's been here, he's run a lot of zone because we have horrible cornerbacks. But, uh, you know, this year we're, we're running a lot more man because of play. But, you know, you, you got you got to adapt the entire defense to, to what you have. If you have a poor pass rush, you got to start blitzing more. You know, it's, it's basic stuff that he just isn't doing. That, you know, it would have helped out certain guys like Rasul Douglas if you adapted the defense more so to what you have back there. And he just isn't adapting any at all. And, I, I guarantee you, you put Rasul Douglas on the Patriots, 
they're going to turn him into superstar. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the thing. And one more thing before we move on is that Seth Joyner was looking at the tape, and obviously he talks about cover six, something we kind of like an unforbidden rule about a defensive style is a cover six. And he was showing that play where the Chase Claypool made Gary Guy's ass handed to him by Chase Clay. By Clay, by Claypool, and that last touchdown, his fourth touchdown, that won them the football game. So, like I said, to me, Schwartz needs to improve. You know, he needs to. You know, he better be ready for for Sunday because his defense is going to have a rough time if if they don't have a setup for 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 Lamar Jackson in that offense. That's probably the most complex offense in the league right now. And it's not. And normally, you worry about the pass, but you don't worry about the pass. When you think about the Ravens, and we'll talk about that on Sunday, obviously. So, but obviously, yeah, one more point, man. One last point I gotta say is, you know, if I were Doug Peterson, I would I'd go to Schwartz. I'd say, look, man, Nate, Nate Gary sucks. He needs to be off the field. Okay, I know he's you know he he's one of Schwartz's buck favorites for one reason or another. Who knows why? But uh, he's one of Schwartz's guys. I tell him like this guy can't play. He can play special teams. He can be a backup linebacker. He can't be a – he's not a starter. And if Schwartz tells me, like, oh, well, I'm, I'm playing my guy, I'd I, I just make him inactive. I'd say, look, he's inactive this week. Play one of the rookies. <laughs> you know? If it's going to get to that point, just tell him, like, he's not playing. One way or another, he's not playing this game. He's horrible. Yeah. But like I said – Obviously, this division once again we're five, we're entering week six, and this NFC East only has four victories in six in five weeks, now, and not once and not once in the f- first five weeks has more than one team won. Obviously, the Cowboys won on Sunday, and and what turned out to be probably the most entertaining game of the, of the day, but unfortunately had probably the biggest consequence of this entire 2020 season. And that is unfortunately the Dak Prescott saga with his contract and everything else. Well, the worst case scenario obviously happened where on the third quarter, and I saw it with my own two eyes, him his him running for a first down and his ankle snapping in two. And it was really ugly to see and it really sad to see. Even as as us as Eagles fans, we don't we don't care about the Cowboys in any way, but we but we do we do feel bad for Dak because he he is a warrior. He has been a, you know he's why he's not the greatest quarterback. He has been a respectable quarterback since he came into this league, and unfortunately his season comes to an end, in in a way where now his career is up in is now up in the air what his future will be because I don't think he's going to play another down for the Jones boys, and it's on them for everything that they've done. You know, for everything they should have done, they should have paid him. And they, and this injury, unfortunately, you can't uh, prevent injuries, but maybe it would have. You know, he'd be taken care of. Now he can't be taken care of because he played on a on a on a, on a salary thing. So now he, he his his season's over, and he becomes a free agent in March. Definitely, where I think somebody will pay him. And he's not going to, and the Cowboys won't be able to match that. So, it's an unfortunate reality that happens all the time in this league, where a guy doesn't get his money and he plays his ass off the next season until he gets hurt. 
We've seen this home over and over and over again. So, your thoughts on this on this Dak Prescott Cowboys saga? Yeah, well, I mean, it's obviously you don't want the guy to uh, have some um, really any injury, but especially a major injury like that. But you know, it's part of the game too. And if you're gonna, if when you hold out, or not even hold out, but you know, if you're gonna bet on yourself for a year, this is actually year two that he's betting on himself. I mean, the odds go up significantly every game that eventually you're going to have an injury. And um, he obviously suffered the worst of the worst type of injuries. It's, it's a potential career ender, and it's sad because, you know, he was, he was whether it's with the Cowboys or somebody else, the way he was playing this year with his stats, you know, he was ready to cash in on a big payday. And, you know, you saw him on the field crying and everything. Frankly, I'd be crying too if I was looking at a two hundred plus million dollar deal for for whatever five years, and all of a sudden that that's out the window. But I mean, it, it's it, it is part of the game, and it's part of the risk you take. And I mean, you say that the the Cowboys should have paid him, but at the same time, they knew he wasn't worth what he was asking for. They actually offered him a a legitimate deal. They offered him right about what they offered him basically the same type of contract that Carson Wentz got, and he's on the same level as Wentz. But you know, he's looking for a forty-plus million dollar a year deal. I, I don't know that it was more Dak or you know that, that's the type of thing. It, it probably was more so his agent trying to uh, milk every penny out of the team, and he's in Dak's ear. Oh, you can get more. You can get more. But sometimes you got to weigh the risk, man. You know, it's like. Well, I could get, I can take a, a slightly lesser deal, but still take in thirty-five more money than I would ever have imagined for the rest of my life. And you know, I take that in. I'd be set for life. My kids would be set for life. Their kids would be set for life. And uh, and you're good. But you know, you got to risk. You got to weigh that risk. Is that worth an extra three, four million dollars a year? when you could probably make that money up in um, advertising, especially if when you're a, the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, you know? Yeah. So it's one of those things where he, pro- he, just, he probably should have taken the, the $35 million a year type deal, and he would have he, he been good, nothing to worry about other than just rehabbing. But now he's got to worry about not only rehabbing, but somehow – Getting back into the type of condition where he can get a high high contract like that, because at this point he's not going to no one's going to pay him more than a yearly type of deal. Yeah, it, like I said, I, I feel so bad. I mean, even though yeah, you, you like I said we don't we can't stand the Cowboys at all. We feel for Dak because Dak is a good guy and he's been nothing but a leader for that for that franchise when they know they're pathetic. He came into this league. He wasn't wasn't their big thought. He was a fourth round pick, but Tony Romo's body was failing him, and Tony Romo had a lot of respect for Dak that he gave the reins of the quarterback and, and the franchise to him, and he went went on to retire to to work on CBS with Jim Nance, and obviously, like I said, I mean, yeah, this has been a struggle for the last few years, and obviously, he is a quarterback that's a little 
that is a little over himself as far as what he thinks he's capable of doing compared to what he's actually good at doing. And yeah, $35 million deal, a year deal would be right for him. You know, but obviously, yeah, he, yeah, and I understand he should take a little fault in this as far as the contract negotiations because obviously it was it was a tough it was a tough off season in many ways. But the you know the big deal is he should have been paid, and when and when the Patrick Mahomes deal was made, that bit everybody everybody panic, everybody panic. The Pe- Prescott side. And the Cowboys side, and unfortunately, he's left. He's left dangling, playing his ass off, looking for a major payday. And then, unfortunately, this injury takes place, and it's unfortunately the the end. It could be the end of the road, at least for him in Dallas. I don't expect him to come back to the Cowboys because at this point, they you know they still have a long way to go. They're still good enough to win this division, even with Andy Dalton understand under center. We'll see how that goes, but he but he gets his dream because he's a Texas native, played his high school his entire career collegiate career at TCU, and now he gets to play for the team he grew up. You know what what a dream scenario for him. But obviously, you know it's it sucks. It does suck, and to me, I, I'm very mad at at Jerry and Stephen Jones because. You know, for everything this team is all is and stuff, Dak has always been, he's, he's done everything for this team you asked him to do. And unfortunately now, you, you kind of, you, you couldn't give him the money he, in theory he wanted, but you couldn't give him the money anyway. You could, they couldn't just give him a contract, just even if he's underpaid, he could, they still couldn't give him a, a deal and he had to work on this franchise tag for $31 million. And now he's out, and now he suffers this ink, this injury that could be career threatening, and his and and his season his season's over, his career is in doubt, and his run in Dallas is over. And I hope he can recover, and I think he will. He's still very young; he's twenty seven years old, and I think he can come back and be and be better than ever. And hopefully, he he joins a team that can stick it to the Cowboys for many years to come. Obviously, that would mean he would have to be in the NFC East, but that may not be the case. He can go somewhere else and still stick it to them. But that puts the Cowboys in a bad situation like you predicted for for many years because now not just they're in salary cap hell, they're going to be certain, they're going to be come come April looking for another quarterback because they're because I don't know if Andy Dalton's going to work out and two they have to look for whoever quarterback. They're not going to get Trevor Lawrence because they're not going to draft that high. So, you know, they're, they're probably going to be no better than a seventh pick in the draft. That's as good as they're going to get. So, at this point, it's a it's a lost season for, for, for this team, even if they do win this division. Yeah, well, it, it's, this season for them is pretty much shot, but... Um, I mean, we'll see what they do at, at the quarterback position in general. Um, if they end up letting back leave, there, there are other potential options out there. You know, they could go throw a little bit of money at uh, uh, Jameis Winston and draft a quarterback in the first round. Um, when you look at their, their offensive line, obviously this year their offensive line has also been uh, ravaged by injuries. Yeah, Ty, yeah, Tyron Smith, their best guy, his left, you know, he's he's done for the year with yeah. the neck. So yeah, it's it's been a mess. Lyle Collins, he's hurt. 
he's hurt too. So, yeah, yeah, it's been, yeah, they've had a lot of injuries as well, especially the O line and the D line. Their D line is messed up big time. Yeah, exactly. Does he, I mean, they have had a lot of injuries, but really, when you look at their team, I mean, their offensive line still has the the talent. Not this year, maybe, but next year. You know, to be a top five offensive line, they they have probably the best group of receivers in the NFL. They got talented tight ends, the, possibly the best running back in the NFL. I mean, you you could put almost any average quarterback back there, and he's going to throw for uh, big numbers. <laughs> you know, <laughs> especially when you have Mike McCarthy back there throwing the ball sixty times a game. But. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of quarterbacks, they could find a quarterback that can play and they can draft a guy that could potentially be the franchise guy in the first round. You know, um, we've seen with guys like, uh, like, um, well, really Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen. It, you don't necessarily have to have the number one pick in the, in the draft just to have a franchise quarterback. You know, you can get a you can get a you can get a, get a franchise quarterback at seven, eight, nine, fifteen. It doesn't have to be the number one pick. So they, they can find a guy if they get make the right pick. Obviously, now go, one one going back one last thing to the whole uh, back getting paid and all that. I mean, every guy, not not just quarterback, but every player in the NFL. I mean, they have a value. You, you can't just pay any everybody any anything they want. You know, there's a thing. There's a thing called the salary cap. It's this isn't baseball where you can just throw out fifty million dollar a year deals to everybody. So, you know, I mean, they 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 didn't. It's not like they didn't offer him a reasonable deal. They just didn't offer him what he wanted and. I mean, you could say, "Oh, well, they could offer him more." And I mean, it takes two—it two, takes two sides to tango, man. And um, I mean, they did offer him a reasonable deal. He turned it down. He said, "I'm gonna—I'm gonna test my luck and see how things go this year." And you know, if I have a great season, you're gonna have to, have to pay me more. If I get injured or if I have a poor season, my my value goes down. I mean, Unfortunately for him, he got injured. But you know, <laughs> yeah, just how it goes. That's the game, man. That's yeah, how, that's how the NFL works. So you know, one thing with Wentz, he has had a lot of injuries early in his career, and he was smart. He said, "You know what? I've, I've, I have been injured a lot. I'll take the thirty-five mil. Maybe down the line, I could get more, but I'll take what I can get right now." take that security for the rest of my life and you know what it, it actually helps him out even more on his second contract negotiation because if the Eagles actually could act, ever find some receivers and some players to put around him you know they have that little extra cap space to spend you know maybe they can get an extra receiver in there but obviously yeah. we, we're, 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 we're in terms of the Eagles we're just looking at Scrappy players that hopefully can play. So, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. It it, it it still does suck at the end of the day. And like I said, we'll see what happens with the Cowboys moving forward. Are they going to be a valuable contender? 
you know, because it just, it, it just, unfortunately, just the, the sad thing is Dak's injury now weakens this division even further than what it was before. And, you know, you have to think that either the Eagles or the Cowboys will break out here out of this funk and take over. Now it's uh, now it's really un- uncertain if the Eagles continue to struggle. So, but like I said, let, let, let's get to other news. Like I said, looking around the rest of this league, we saw another firing. We don't have to really discuss that. Dan Quinn was shown the door along with Thomas Dimitrov in Atlanta after the game. It's about Dan. Yeah, we both predict. I think we both predicted yeah, that one, right? We don't even have to discuss that, you know. <laughs> but there is there is a rumor going around that. But the but the bigger surprise is there is a rumor that Arthur Blank is going to clean house come come the trade deadline, and the big story is Matt Ryan might be suited for a trade. So, to me, that that's something to think about. Le'Veon Bell has left the New York Jets. They tried to trade him, but there was no offers because of his contract. So he's he's out there looking, you know, looking around for a new a new deal. I mean, obviously, he, he he's not going to be the feature back if he gets a job. Probably the second back at best. So, that that's out there. But let's go to our list that means the most. It's our t- And it will tell the story about the rest of the league. Is our top five list. We always do this at the... At the end of the at the end of each quarter of the leagues, you know, after four games, these teams play because four, four, and four. So, obviously, we did this last year to success, and we're going to do this again. So we'll start with our top five AFC teams from five to one. Go ahead. All right. Well, real quick, just before what you before that, what you said, um, I didn't hear that about Matt Ryan, but. You know, the, my very first thought obviously comes to mind is what if the Cowboys decide, okay, well, Dak is done after this, so let's trade, like, I don't know, a first or two first-rounders for Matt Ryan to bring him on there with that team. I mean, they're obviously, uh, they obviously are back in the hunt. Their defense is still horrible, but they, they, they found their new franchise quarterback, so... You know, there's always that possibility. Yeah, but unfortunately, Matt Ryan's older than me. He's 35, and we don't know how much gas left he has in the tank. So we, yeah, well, that, Jerry Jones just turned 78, so, you know, he's not looking for a long-term fix. He's looking for to try to win now. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, but let's get to the top five yeah, list. Yeah, going into the AFC, um, I'm going to give you the five to one, okay? Um Number five, the Patriots. They uh, they're two and two, but they 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 played really well overall. Um, obviously, Cam's been out last week. Uh, last week they didn't play. They're going to play this week, but you know they got a really good defense. Cam Newton has played well, and they got Bill Belichick. So I got the Patriots at number five. Number four, I'm looking at the Bills, and um, they just got they just got their asses asses handed to them yesterday. Okay, by the by the Titans. Um, but I, I, you know, we we I talked to you on Sunday, and I said the same thing. Like it's BS. The Bills got screwed on this whole COVID thing. Um, the Titans went. 
clearly everybody can anybody that saw it can see it that they went out there they broke the rules even after their COVID outbreak they had secret practices the whole deal I mean that team should have been forced to forfeit both the Steelers and the Bills game and and quarantine you know if, if the NFL really cared about player safety and if the NFL really cared about COVID they would have they wouldn't. It would have been a no nonsense policy. They would have told the Titans, "You forfeit this game." Instead, the Titans get a an extra week to uh, rest up. Basically, they get basically a whole bye week right before the Bills, and they they took it to them. But I'm putting the Bills on there. They they've played really well. Josh Allen's played like an MVP, and I'm putting the Bills at number four. Number three is Baltimore. Um, they play well, except for the Chiefs game. They got their they got their asses handed to them by the Chiefs. And while Baltimore is a team that I don't see many holes, they can't beat the Chiefs, and that's going to be a problem. Uh, number two, I have right there the Chiefs. They they played great almost all year, but we didn't really get to talk about most of the other games last week. But the the Raiders. My guys, my sleeper team, they took the Chiefs down, and uh, that's going to drop the Chiefs down in the rankings. And number one, undefeated, they just took up, took down the Eagles. The Steelers are number one, and the Steelers are the they, they got they got a full team there. You know, they let they let the Eagles score some points, great, but everybody knows the Steelers have an elite defense. Roethlisberger at quarterback, they got more receivers than obviously the Eagles can handle and uh, they got a running game so the Steelers are number one all right well I'll put my top five it's got mostly the same teams I'm putting about I'm replacing one of them number five I have the Bills I I think they're they're awesome they're doing great again this year Josh Allen's having an MVP caliber season but their pass defense is a question mark it caught it nearly cost them against the Rams and it cost them last night against the Titans. You know, it it is a shame about what's going on with this coronavirus and everything that happened and it did screw it's gonna screw over a few teams and the Bills unfortunately might be the bigger losers of this. But they're still on pace to win this division and obviously we'll see what happens there. The number four team right now the number four team, I would... <sighs> Shit. I'm going to put the Chiefs at number four because I'm very concerned about them. I mean, obviously, yeah, you know that the defending Super Bowl champs and until they get beat, that's what the, they're still going to be the team I would put at the top. But that loss to the, to the Raiders is puzzling. Their last two games are very puzzling. In fact, three of their first five games have been puzzling. They The Chargers took them to... to um, to the limit, and obviously, so did the Patriots for three quarters. And when you look at the Raiders; they somehow pulled it off. And you and you wonder: is this defense good enough to win? To win us, you know, it's hard to repeat in this league. There hasn't been a repeat since the Patriots in the mid two thousands. But obviously, the Chiefs have all the tools to do it this year. But that that loss is a it's a terrible loss. Number three is 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 the team everybody hates, and you obviously hate too. Is the Tennessee Titans? They're four and zero, but they're playing well. 
You know, Tannehill's still playing at, at a de- decent level. That momentum, it still works. Remember, this team was 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 an outside was about ten points away of a Super Bowl appearance. And obviously, Mike Rabel is an underrated coach. He's the best of the Belichick clan. And obviously, their defense is decent enough. Derrick Henry still runs the ball with precision and pounding it. He's probably the best pounder in football. So I have Tennessee at number three. As much as I love to put my Ravens at number one, they're not. I have them at number two like you. That loss to the Chiefs is is their kryptonite. If they can't beat the Chiefs, then they're not going to win the AFC. And as much as Lamar Jackson has played well, he's trying to adjust his style, and that's a major and that's a problem because he is he is struggling throwing the ball like he did in his rookie year. He had a great year last year throwing the ball. He led the league in touchdown passes, but that's because the run was so perfect. He could just go in there and and get end zone touchdowns, which he led also in 2019. So Pittsburgh is at number one. Where, where's the flaws at? There, you know, Roethlisberger is Roethlisberger. He's a future Hall of Famer. Defense is playing well. Offensively, like I said, they have a new weapon in Chase Claypool. You know, we'll see what happens. All right, we have to hurry it up here with the NFC top five. Yeah. All right, well, we both picked number one in the NFC. Um, just one quick note. The, the reason I don't have Tennessee on my list is because I refuse to put them on my list because I think they deserve to be sanctioned by the NFL after the shit they pulled. So, you know, otherwise they probably they would be in the top five. But going to the NFC, um, number five, New Orleans. They've been a disappointment so far this year. But they are probably one of the, the most, if not the most, talented team in the NFC. So I got them number five, but they are dropping. Um, number four, I'm going with the Bucks. They they just they lost a tough game to the Bears, but this is a team that I think is going to shine in the second half of the season as they start to gel. And they 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 do have a ton of injuries on offense as well. Um, and let's be honest, the Bears, look, they're 4-1. They're the most fraudulent 4-1 team of all time. I'm not even, I, I, I won't put that team in my top five ever, ever. They're, they're garbage. <laughs> Number three is the Rams. They play really well. Um, and, you know, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender, but they're a tough team. And you get in the playoffs and they can win a couple games. Uh, Seattle is number two. The only reason this team's not number one is because their defense is so horrible, but Russell Wilson is playing at an MVP level. Uh, DK Metcalf has been an absolute animal, um, and this offense has been, has, been, has been sick. And if they can somehow figure out a way to shore up that defense, Seattle is probably the best team in the NFL, but Right now, they're only number two in the NFC because number one is Green Bay. It's another, uh, it's another team that has been great on offense. Their defense is, has been a lot better than Seattle. So um, Green Bay is number one, Seattle is number two. But it, that, that could turn if Seattle can shore up that D. My top five list is, very, is almost eerily similar to yours. Just a few position change, pretty much one. Number five is the Rams. Yeah, they're four and one. They swept the NFC East, so there's a little bit of question mark because the division is so bad that they swept them with ease. But they're playing very well. Aaron Donald's having another monster year. 
And obviously, Jared Goff is playing much better than he did a year ago. He's more confident with his passing and his precision. So, Sean McVay's done a damn good job with them. Number four is is uh, New Orleans. The Saints are, you know, they're, they've been shaky. But obviously, I still trust them to win this division and to go far in the postseason. This is probably the last go-around for Drew Brees. This probably will be his final season, but he's doing what he's doing still at at his age. And they're still, you know, it's still a struggle, but they came from behind. You know, it's still, you know, as long as you have Brees, you, you have a chance. Tampa Bay is number three. Obviously, Brady and Arians, it's still they're still learning each other. I mean, yeah, it was a tough loss to the Bears, a game they really should have won. I mean, I saw the second half of that game. I would, you know, but yeah, they're they're built to make a, a a deep run when things get better, you know. So I expect them to 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 get there as well. Yes, I agree with you. Seattle is number two, and the only reason why they're number two, even though they they they're the only they're they're the only team in the league that has five victories is because their defense is still bad. They should have lost last Sunday night to the Vikings. As much as it looked, the Vikings outplayed them for most of that game. Russell Wilson is the be- is the most special player in this league. Any other quarterback would not win that game on Sunday if it wasn't for him. Russell Wilson is is an MVP, is the leading MVP candidate, no doubt in my mind. And I do agree yeah. with you at number one with Green Bay. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers, he's playing at, at at Aaron Rodgers' level again. This defense is playing decent offensively. You know, there's not a lot of flaws through, through the first couple of weeks. And, you know, like I said, they have a big matchup on Sunday in Tampa Bay. That's going to be a our game of the week. So we'll look into that. But, yeah, yeah, I do agree with you for most of the, for, of the NFC. So... Unfortunately, that's all we have for this week. There is no Thursday night game with all the circumstances moving around. The Kansas City-Buffalo game has been moved to Monday, late Monday afternoon. So there's no Thursday game. So we'll see you Sunday with the with our normal preview. Enjoy, the, enjoy this look back wherever you can listen to it on any situation. Have a good night, folks.